If you're able to stand with us for a few moments, 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we'll bring the message tonight, 1 Samuel chapter 17, and uh, do pray for us. God would help us a few minutes tonight, 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we'll begin reading in verse number 14. The Bible says, And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Verse number five. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders, and the staff of his spear was like a a weaver's beam. And his spear's head was... 600 shekels of iron and one bearing a shield went before him and he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them why are you come out to set your battle in array am not, am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul choose you a man for you and let him come down to me verse number 9 if he be able to fight with me and to kill me then we will be your servants but if I prevail against him and kill him then shall you be our servants and serve us And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons. And the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. The names of the three sons that went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. Let's bow for prayer this evening. Father, I want to thank you tonight for the privilege to be in your house once again. Thank you for the good singing we've heard and enjoyed. And I pray now that you would bless the reading of thy word. Help us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. May we not say or do anything that would grieve you in any way. And may you be glorified, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You can be seated. (coughs) I want to preach tonight on this subject, on the three enemies of God. The three enemies of God. In this text tonight, there are three enemies that we see here that were not only the enemies of David, but they were the enemies of God. And let me just say on the outset of this message that every one of us is faced with a choice as to whether or not we're going to serve God or whether or not we're going to serve this world. Amen? And the Bible says that whosoever will be a friend of this world is the enemy of God. Now the Bible talks about in another place how that uh, <coughs> mentions how that they were enemies of the cross. And may I say this uh, evening that there are enemies of God and there are enemies of the cross. In other words, there are those uh, uh, that do not stand for the cross as sure as you and I tonight uh, stand for Calvary and as he sung about the cross and how much the cross means to us and we love the cross and we love the Christ that was on the cross. There are those that despise it and those that reject it. And what we find in 1 Samuel 17 is that we've got Israel on one side of this battle and we got the Philistines on the other. And in this text 
tonight, there are three enemies that are mentioned, and I want to mention these enemies and preach, uh, uh, preach on them for a few minutes and be done. I want you to notice, first of all, I see the first enemy in our text, uh, and this is the world. The Bible says, and there went out, in verse number 14, and there went out, uh, notice this with me here, verse number four, rather, and there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines. And you'll notice that the word Philistines is mentioned three times in our text. Now, the Philistines is a picture and a type of the world. They are the enemies of God. Uh, they've set their battle in array. Israel didn't go to fight the Philistines. The Philistines came to where they were. Hey, can I tell you something tonight? You don't have to pick a fight with the world. Uh, the world, my friend, will come calling and will challenge you. And that's what we find in this text here. And I notice in verse number four about the Philistines here, or the world, should I say, I notice here that they had a champion. The Bible said, and there went out a champion. Now the world has a champion tonight. He is known as the God of this world. And I'll tell you the God of this world uh, that they're talking about is not the God that we serve. The God that we serve is not the God of this world, but he is the God of the ages. Amen. He is the God of all gods. Uh, he is the one true God. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, uh, the captain of captains. Amen. But the God of this world is nothing more than the devil. And my friend, that's who the world serves tonight. They serve the devil. And my friend, the world uh, uh, has a champion and the devil is his name. And not only do they have a champion, but notice in verse number four that they have a camp, amen? The word of God says in verse number four that there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines. Uh, so in other words, uh, uh, the world not only has a champion who is the devil, but the world also has a camp tonight. They have a place. Uh, they, have, they have their own uh, uh, setting. They have their own uh, uh, system tonight. And do you know that's exactly uh, what the world is? Uh, it's not the trees when we talk about the world and it's not the flowers and the lakes and the canyons. But when we talk about the world tonight, we're talking about the world system. Isn't that right? That's what the Bible means when it says love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. It's talking about the world system tonight. As Christians, we need to recognize that the world is the enemy of God. And if you're saved and you want to serve God, the world should be every enemy, every Christian's enemy as well. Isn't that right? And so we see here uh, that they had a champion, that they had a camp. I, I want to just ask you this before I move on. Whose camp are you in tonight? A lot of times we get asked that question. I'm not in any preacher's camp. I, I can assure you that tonight. I'm not in any movement's camp. I am an independent from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. I make no apologies about that. And I believe in being an independent Baptist, but I'm not in anybody's camp. I, I'm not, listen, I, I'm not bashing the Southern Baptist tonight, although I'm not a Southern Baptist, but I don't have a problem preaching in an old-fashioned Southern Baptist church. I don't have a problem preaching in an old-fashioned independent Baptist church. But we're living a day when everybody wants to know whose camp you're in. Well, I'll tell you whose camp I'm in tonight. I'm in the camp of the blood-washed, redeemed of God, have uh, been saved and been born again. Uh, I'm not in the world's camp. I'm in the Lord's camp tonight, amen. And by the way, there's only two real camps. It's the Lord's camp and it's the world's camp. 
I wouldn't argue tonight with, with those that uh, may feel differently about that, but I would tell you this tonight, that oftentimes, uh, uh, listen, if we're not careful, we'll get caught up in circles in that camp, uh, but don't do that tonight. In the church, you can do that. You can have clicks and picks. Uh, uh, don't have that. Uh, fellowship means you get around to everybody and you fellowship with everybody. Can I get an amen right there? I'm not in anybody's camp inside the church, neither. I just believe you ought to love everybody. I believe everybody is important. Isn't that right? I believe you ought to shake hands with everybody. I believe you ought to walk across the aisle every time you go to church. You ought to talk to everybody, fellowship with everybody. Y'all believe that tonight, don't you? That keeps unity in the house of God. We don't need camps in the church. Somebody say amen, Nathan. That's right. You don't need BFFs in the church. Amen, y'all. I'm talking about get along, be friends, love everybody. You may be close to somebody, uh, but listen, you, you've got to learn uh, uh, real fellowship is when you talk to everybody and fellowship with everybody. Amen. See, the person you don't want to talk to may be the very person that needs you. The person in the church you don't want to fellowship with, so I ain't got nothing in common with them. It's not about, you're saved, aren't you? If you're saved, you got something in common. You got the Holy Spirit living inside, then you got something in common. But we got too many camps in this day and time. Hey, that's a system adopted by this world and we don't need it in the church. We don't need it in the preacher realm. We don't need it in any realm. But I see here that the enemy, they had a camp. I see the enemy had a champion. But then I notice here that they had a crowd. The Bible said it was the camp of the Philistines. There's more than one of them tonight. In fact, there was many of them. Just because it's a crowd doesn't mean it's a church. Just because the crowd's doing it doesn't mean I should be doing it. Can somebody say amen to that? There's a lot of fads, and, and oh Lord, I'm going to get myself in a lot of trouble here tonight, uh, but there's a lot of fads, and there's a lot of fashions that, that come and that go, and I'm not saying that uh, everybody's got to dress like in the early 1900s. Uh, I'm not saying that, uh, but what I'm saying is we ought not follow fashions. We ought not fi- follow fads. Uh, I'm not talking about just dressing nice and looking nice. Uh, I'm talking about a lot of things tonight, folks. Uh, in America, and sad to say, even in Christian and it seems like there's not a whole lot of originality or individuality in our churches anymore. It seems like people just follow people and they follow what others are doing. i tell you who I want to follow tonight. I want to follow Christ. I want to follow that Bible, amen? And it may not be popular. It may not suit everybody's fancy. Everybody else may not be doing it that way. But I'm telling you, I do not want to follow the world system, amen? I don't have to drive the newest car. Nothing wrong if you do. But I don't have to. I don't have to have the finest suit. Nothing wrong if you have one, but I don't have to have that tonight. I don't have to have the latest and the greatest of whatever it is that has come out. I, I won't, I'm hesitant to what I would say in this avenue, but I've even seen this, uh, even amongst preachers, how that we preach to young people, don't follow fads, don't follow the world. But I've seen that even in preachers sometimes. Uh, uh, listen, some fad will come through and preachers will jump on the bandwagon. I'm not jumping on it tonight because there's too many little eyes looking. And if we preach to them, don't follow fads. Uh, hey, that even goes amongst men 
of God. That even goes amongst the church. We've got to be careful. You see, the world has a crowd tonight, and the worldly crowd is just, they're, they're on the job, they're in the church house. I'm telling you, listen, there's people that'll come to church, and listen, they, they're not gonna do what the man of God says. They're not gonna do what the Bible says. They're gonna rebel and do things in their own way. I'm gonna tell you something, friend, that's dangerous ground tonight. Brother Danny talked about it this morning, and I'm going to tell you, I sit there scared absolutely to death. I don't want to rebel against God. I'm not talking about dictatorship. I'm not talking about those type of things. I'm talking about when the word of God is being preached, I'm accountable for what I have heard. I'm accountable for what I know. To whom much is given, much is required. And I don't think for one second that if the world could get in this church tonight, it would do it in a heartbeat. Is that right? And brother, I'm telling you, I don't want to be a tool in the devil's hand. I want to be a tool in the hand of God. And I'm simply saying that the world has a champion and the world has a camp tonight, but the world has a crowd. They've got a lot of people and there's more of them than there is of us tonight. But I'm telling you, it's not about majority. It's about the message, amen? It's about following on what God says. Uh, listen, if you're serving God tonight because you think it's going to be popular, uh, listen, you're serving for the wrong reason because Christianity has never been popular. But if you'll live for God, it'll pay in the end. If you'll live for God and be a real Christian at home, not just at church, uh, but be real on Monday as if you was on Sunday, then your children will see that. I'm talking about the world's or, or God's enemy tonight is the world. This is a sad commentary. But how many churches tonight are holding hands with the world? I'm not being critical because in every church there's worldliness. But I, I, I want to be careful. I want to be real, don't you? I want to be right with God. I, I want to do the right thing. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, I battle just like everybody else does, but I do not. God saved me from the world and by his grace, and that's all it will be by. I don't want to go back to it tonight. The world is God's enemy. He loves the world. He wants to save the world. But the world is raging war against God tonight, even though he loved them and he died for them and he's willing to save them. You remember before you got saved, Paul said in the book of Ephesians chapter two, we were alienated. We were the enemies of God. We were children of wrath, even as others. That's how we lived because we served the devil. We didn't serve God. But now that we're saved, you know what's happened? We've changed sides, amen? We're on the other hillside now. And thank God, I'm glad I'm on the right side. Amen. I don't want to be a part of this world anymore. I'm glad that, thank God, I'm saved and glad I've been born again, aren't you? So I see the enemy of God. I see the world tonight. But then secondly, I see another enemy, and that's the devil. The Bible talks about in verse number four, and there went out a champion of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath. The devil has many names, doesn't he? And he said he was of Gath, who, whose height was six cubits and a span. That's nine feet and three inches tall. He was a very tall man. And in verse number five, it talks about his armor. As it said, he had a bronze helmet, a helmet of brass upon his head. And he was armed with a coat of mail. And the Bible said the weight of that coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. That's 200 pounds. Can you imagine a coat wearing a coat that weighed 200 pounds? The word of God said in verse number seven, 
that his spearhead, he had an iron spearhead that weighed 25 pounds. Now, get the picture. Here is Goliath. He's nine feet and three inches. He's almost 10 feet tall. And he's standing there with a 200-pound coat on and with a, uh, uh, with a spear as a weaver's beam, the Bible says, uh, and a 25-pound iron spearhead on the end of that spear. I mean, he was someone to be feared, wasn't he? And so is the devil tonight. Goliath was not the friend of, of Israel and the devil is not your friend tonight. If you want to know what the devil's agenda is, look at what Goliath's agenda, agenda is in verse number eight. The Bible said he stood and he cried unto the armies of Israel. And I thought about where first Peter said the devil is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's what Goliath is doing in verse eight. He's seeking out a man that he might devour and he wants him to pick out a man. He says, why are you come to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and you the servants to Saul? Notice this, choose you a man. You know what the devil wants tonight? He wants a man. And I'm not talking about just a man in particular, but the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom, not what, but whom he may devour. In your home, he's looking for that weakest link. In the church, he is looking for that weakest link. You know what I've seen down through the years of pastoring? I've watched the devil pick the church off one person at a time. I've watched him pull this one out, pull that one out, pick this one out. What's he doing? He's just combing the pews, looking for that weakest link. That's what Goliath, he didn't want the whole army. He just said, give me a man, send me one man out. And the devil doesn't want everybody at one time. He would take them if he could, but he just needs to pick out one. He's just looking for one. Hey, and hear me tonight, folks. That one may be your young person. That one tonight may be your spouse. You see that one tonight, we don't never know. He said, choose you a man. He wants, to, he wants to find a man. He wants to fight that man. Look at verse number nine. If he be able to fight with me. You know what Goliath wanted to do? He wanted to fight, friend. You know what the devil wants to do tonight? He wants to fight. Brother Chris, the, the devil is after you. He wants to fight with you. He wants to fight with me. He wants to fight with the church. Uh, he, he wants to war. He doesn't know peace tonight. He, he not only wants to fight a man, but he wants to defeat that man. He said in verse number nine, but if I prevail against him, he is making, he's putting out an agenda here. He says to the nation of Israel, send me out a man that we may fight. And he said, if I prevail against this man, see, he plans on winning the battle. Too many people, too many people, Brother Laddie, has fought the devil and he's prevailed. I'm telling you, I am no match for Satan tonight. Brother, I don't care how much scripture you know, you and I are no match for the devil. And the devil has an agenda to find a man, to fight that man, and to defeat that man. But I want you to notice in verse 9, he takes it a step further. He said, I not only want to prevail against him, but he said, if I kill him. The Bible said the thief cometh not to what? But to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The devil is out to kill every one of us. If the devil could kill you and I tonight, he would do that. Proof is in Job chapter one. When God was having that conversation with Job, he said you could touch his flesh, but you can't touch his life. You have to spare his life. You know why God put that disclaimer in there? Because if he wouldn't have, the devil would have killed him. The devil would have done more than just destroy his flesh. He would have annihilated, annihilated him. And can I tell you, that's what he wants to do to all of us. He is not our friend tonight. He is the enemy of God. The devil is the enemy of God. And I want to tell you, my friend, 
friend, this is the world, is the enemy of God. So is the devil, amen? It's to kill him. Now notice this tonight. It's to make a slave of every man. Look at the last phrase of verse number nine. Then shall ye be our servants. You see, the devil's got a pretty good plan just like Goliath had one. Send me out one man and just, just let me and this man go to battle and I'll fight this man. If he prevails against me, uh, then, then we'll serve you. I'll tell you one thing, that wouldn't have happened, friend. The devil will never cut you a fair deal. You know that? I'm telling you, listen, if they would have prevailed, the Philistines wouldn't given up. You can bank on that. They're not being slaves to nobody tonight. And I'll tell you, he said, bring him out. If he defeats me, we'll serve you. But if I prevail against him and kill him, he wasn't just gonna wound him. But if I prevail against him and then I kill him, then all of you have to serve me. You see, tonight, that's what the devil wants to do, and that's what he did in Genesis chapter 3, when he got Adam and Eve to sin in the garden. He got Adam to fall, and Adam began to die, and the devil's plan from the very beginning was to plunge all of humanity into sin. He wants to make a slave out of every one of us. He wants to defeat every one of us. The devil is not our friend. He's the enemy of God. I see the world. I see the devil, but notice this tonight. Verse number 11, when Saul and all of Israel heard those words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I see the Philistines as the enemy of God. They're the world. Goliath is the enemy of God. He's the devil. But now we come to the most deadly enemy of them all, and that's Saul. Saul's a picture of the flesh tonight. You see, David only fought Goliath one time and defeated him. He fought the, the Philistines many times throughout the scriptures. David and the Philistines fought many, many times over. He would fight them today only to fight them tomorrow. But he fought, he had to live with Saul every day of his life during those days. You see, you and I, if we ever fight the devil, I don't know if I've ever faced the devil, the actual devil himself. I don't know if I've ever had a, an encounter with him and fought him, but chances are if you and I ever come face to face and we have a battle with the very devil himself, I would say it would probably only be one time in our lifetime, if that much or if ever, or perhaps maybe just a very few times, or perhaps maybe just once, if ever. But I'm telling you, listen, the world is someone that I have fought many times. The world is someone you have fought many times. You know that if you face the world tomorrow and you defeat the world tomorrow, guess what? They're going to come back to fight another day. Isn't that right? And is that not the way the Philistines was? David defeated them, but they rose back up and they come right back again. And that's the way the world is. But Saul was the most deadliest enemy of all because David lived with Saul. This flesh tonight is the enemy of God. You see, Saul, just like the flesh at one time, he was crowned and was king and had his glory, but because of disobedience, just like the flesh, he lost his throne. He lost his glory. Saul, just like the flesh, he loved David one minute, but he hated David the next minute. Is that not the way the flesh is? You could never trust Saul. One minute Saul was up, and the next minute Saul was down. I'm telling you, Saul, listen, when you think about Saul, he was a very prideful, a very carnal person. There's nothing spiritual about Saul. 
Paul. He had no value for spiritual things. He didn't care about worship. He didn't care about the ark. He didn't care about any of those things. Saul was a very carnal. He was a very fleshly person. And this flesh tonight doesn't care about church. This flesh doesn't care about reading the Bible. If you serve this flesh tonight, even though you live with it, you can't trust it tonight. The flesh is deceitful just like Saul was. Left to Saul, you know what Saul would have done? He would have gave up to the devil. Saul would have surrendered is what Saul would have done. Saul would have took the lives of all them other men and surrendered them to the Philistines and to Goliath. And do you know that's what the flesh would do tonight? If you let the flesh have its way, the flesh would surrender to this world. The flesh would follow that champion Goliath, the devil. The flesh tonight is so dangerous because when you think about it tonight, listen, the Bible said the elder brothers in verse number 13 of David, those three elder brothers, the Bible said they went and they followed Saul to battle. Now I know in the context of the scripture they was doing their duty and that was to go out and to fight the battle and that was the right thing to do. But if you think on a spiritual term tonight, it's never right to follow the flesh. Amen? You'll never come up right following the flesh. David was the anointed of God. God. I'm saying tonight there's three enemies in this text. There is the devil. There is the world. And there is the flesh. Uh, my friend, there is the Philistines. There is Goliath. Uh, and then there is Saul. But I'm so thankful tonight in verse number 12 there is a David. Amen. And you know who David is tonight uh, in this text. Uh, David is none other than a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, David is the anointed of God. David, my friend, is that shepherd. Uh, uh, David is that one, my friend, that God has put his blessing on and David rises up in this chapter I'm going to tell you what he does he goes head to head with the champion of this world he goes head to head my friend with the very one that tried to defy the army of Israel you know the rest of the story how that David with a sling and some stones he plunges toward that enemy he takes him down and he takes his own sword and he cuts his head off and he wins the battle for every man on, on God's side I want to say thank God that 2,000 years ago, I'm glad that the Son of God, I'm glad that our spiritual David went to head to head with the champion of this world and he defeated him at Calvary, amen. He cut his head off. He, my friend, bruised his head and thank God he set every man free and we live through that David today, the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad you're saved tonight? And friend, when I think about the life of David, and when I think about the enemies of God, here's the text. Verse 14 said that David was the youngest. The very youngest of Jesse's boys. Number eight. New beginning. He walked out on that battlefield that day and here's what David saw. He saw the champion. He saw the Philistines. And he saw Saul. And these enemies of God became the enemies of David because David loved God. And here's the proposition as they get us a song ready tonight. You cannot love the enemies of God and love God tonight. You can't love the world and love Him. You can't serve the devil and serve Him. And the greatest enemy is the one that you live with every day. It's the flesh. You can't listen to the flesh. You can't serve the flesh and serve God.
David watched Saul carefully every day because he knew if he didn't, his life might be taken. And friend, tonight, that's the way it is with this flesh. The Bible said we're to walk circumspectly. You know what that means? Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. What does that mean to walk circumspectly? It means to walk carefully. In other words, it would mean to, to walk a fine line, to walk carefully. If you go into a, a minefield, you're going to walk carefully because you know the next step that you take could cost you your life. And friends, that's the way it is serving God tonight. You have to walk carefully in this walk of life. You have to follow David. I wonder tonight as we stand, you say, well, I don't have any problem with the devil tonight. I, maybe it's not the world, but maybe it's the flesh tonight. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Brother David's going to sing. If you need to come, would you mind God tonight? You can conquer that enemy in your life.